for God and God making it happen. And, uh, and God used Leardus' finickiness about weather and hungry and moved tables and there was God working yeah. powerfully with Candace. Uh, and that day, Candace, uh, you guys may not know the background, but she was not doing, having the best spiritual day. She, didn't, she wasn't in the mood to share her faith. She didn't feel like, she just felt like doing her shift and going home. But uh, there was an opportunity, and she took it, and God worked despite how she was feeling. God worked powerfully. Uh, today I'm going to end our three-week uh, three lesson. Uh, the first one uh, I did was uh, entitled, Too Legit to Quit. That when you follow Jesus, you're too legit. You cannot quit on Jesus because Jesus would not quit on you. Um, uh, my second one was, does anyone remember my second one last week? You've got to pray just to make it today. You've got to pray. And today's lesson is about Jesus, again, is you can't touch this. You know, so many people had it in for Jesus because he, every person he touched changed. He was powerful. He was godly. He taught with authority. And his, the, the, the number of followers increased. And the Pharisees were trying to bring him down. They tried to humanize him. Said, we've got to get people to stop paying attention to this man. And so they began to question Jesus. You know, even John the Baptist's disciples, they asked Jesus if, uh, why his disciples don't fast. He said, because the bridegroom's with them. Why should they fast? God is here. You know, the chief priests and the elders questioned Jesus about his authority. What authority do you have? The Sadducees questioned Jesus about the issue of a man's brother marrying another man's widow, his brother's widow. They're always trying to find a way to confuse or contradict the Lord's. You know, a Pharisee asked Jesus about the greatest commandments. Jesus' disciples asked him why he spoke in parables. The Pharisees questioned Jesus on, his, on, on why his disciples don't wash their hands. You can see the, the, the point I'm trying to make. They couldn't touch it. They tried. And the only way to humanize Jesus was to, was to bring him down, but they couldn't touch it. And I'm going to say something very provocative. What if I told you that you can have control, self-control in your life? That's one thing humans, we can never get a handle on, is our self-control. What if I were to tell you you can get a handle on it? You can, you can actually control yourself. Because many people, come, they come in, they come to church, and they come to church and they, and they listen to the song and they clap and they do all kinds of funny stuff, but in their heart of hearts they're going, I can't change. In my heart of hearts, I can't stop yelling at my spouse. They, he or she annoys me. And in a marriage, you annoy each other every day. Let's just be honest. It's annoying every day. But there's a power of your response to the annoyance. Am I, am I correct? And most times we feel like we fail more than have victory, right? I'm here to tell you, you can have victory over that. But without Jesus, you can't touch this. You can't touch it. Look in your Bibles in Matthew chapter 9. Uh, Jim, would you, would you be so kind as to hand me my, my little clicker there? My little PowerPoint clicker? This is my, uh, my campus minister when I was a young Christian, Jim Hornbuckle. 
He grew up in Camarillo, and, uh, and he uh, now works as a lawyer down in Orange County. He has his, I think he owns his own law firm now, if I'm correct. Um, it's great. He, uh, he trained me, so everything I do is, is his fault. So thank you, Jim. <laughs> Appreciate you very much. Um, and Jim was one of, the, one of the key guys in my life that convinced me that I could change. There was a point in my Christianity where I thought, I can't change. I don't have the power to change. Look at Mark, Matthew chapter 9. Verse 1. Jesus, I'm sorry, verse, verse, yeah, verse 1. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own, ta- home, his own town. Some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or say, Get up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to men. You know, when it comes to the power to change, it cannot be done by just human will. You'll have temporary change. You ever get in a relationship where you find yourself with your, one, of the, one of the persons in the, in the relationship is like, I've had with you, you're not changing. And then the person says, okay, okay, I'll change. And then for 30 days, they're solid. And after that, they start going back to what you first saw in them. They're going, he's back. And that was the story of my relationships with women. I can never sustain a relationship because who I was was despicable. No matter how much I tried to dress it up, you know, bring flowers, have a card, open their door. It lasted 30 days. And then the real me would show up. You know, even though I I I, I became a Christian, Karen and I dated purely in the church, got married, he's back. He wanted to come back. You know, your nature wants to creep back in your life. Yeah. And then you get in your point in your marriage, you're going like, what have I done? What am I doing? You know, for, for Jesus here, these men, these four men, they began to believe in Jesus. And then they bring their friend who can't walk. I have a new, I have a new passion for the scripture about walking. Because after surgery, I needed, I needed help. I couldn't, even, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't get up. But I had an amazing wife who served me and helped me. And uh, amazing, Karen was able to help me. I felt like this paralytic uh, who my friends were, were helping me. And uh, it was amazing. And we need people in our lives to help us get to God. You know, very rarely do you find God on your own. I mean, it becomes, it becomes theoretical. I want, to, I want to go to church. I want to, unless you really invite it. You're really going, okay, I'm going to pay a special interest here. We all want to walk. 
But how is your walk with God? Are you paralyzed? Do you feel like a paralytic? Do you feel like, I can't get up. I can't figure this out. Well, how are your friendships? How are your relationships? You notice that Jesus says, I forgive your sins. And he makes a connection, a spiritual connection with being paralyzed and having your sins forgiven. You know, a lot of relationships are frozen in time because there's no power to forgive. There's a lack of willingness to forgive. I know for me, when I'm wronged, I want there to be a total brokenness on my spouse's part. But when I'm wrong, I just want to say I'm sorry. Let's, let's, let's move on. Why are we, we bogged down over here? Let's just move on. Let's move forward. It's amazing. The power to forgive is connected to the sins in our lives. There's a power there. But you can't touch it if you don't have Jesus. The power to, to change. Some of us feel like, hey... I'm just barely hanging on as a Christian. Well, I, I, I'll bet you, if you don't make it as a Christian, I'll bet you you had very few friends that really were in your life. That I would say that you let in your life. Because we have to let friends in. Yeah. And we can make many excuses and discard our friendships going, I, he was a friend, but not anymore. He was a friend, but I don't know, I, liked that. I didn't like that. We didn't connect. We find every reason to write off friendships. And then we realize we don't have any. And then when we really need the help, it's like the boy who cried wolf. Then you, then you grow, where are my friends? Well, you discarded them over the years. And it takes the power of forgiveness and humility to bring them back. Yeah. You know, relationships are like anything else. You can, they, can, they can be great and growing, or you can really damage them and be lonely. Yeah. It's like anything else, right? Whether it's a marriage, a friendship, or in the teen ministry, it doesn't really matter. And Jesus sees their faith. God sees your faith. He sees your relationships. You know, so many people, they come to church but have no friendships. You know, we sat down with Liardis and Nicolette, and it was amazing how many churches they have experienced through their whole life. But there wasn't any meaningful dialogue. Like, hey, heart to heart. And when they saw it, they go, this is different. You know what, you know what they said to our, about, Nicolette said about our church? I was kind of shocked she said this. She goes, you know, when the first thing I noticed in your church, I was like, I was like uh-oh. <laughs> you don't have any greeters. I was like, oh, we have to work on that. <laughs> then she's like, no, because everyone was the greeter. Everyone, came, everyone knew we were visiting. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's good. <laughs> It's awesome. Because that's true. Everyone, when you're visiting, we kind of know. We're excited. We're like, yes, someone's new here. It's exciting. And we do have new faces here. And today, a, a woman is going to get her sins forgiven by God. And that's, and that's Francis Rogelio is going to be getting baptized today. There she is. Francis, Francis has a lot of connections here. You know, she has Rosemary. That's her, uh, her niece. She also has Louis uh, Rivera, also known as Tony. Uh, Rivera is her nephew. 
Uh, you know, Rosemary's married, married to Hugo. Hugo's studying the Bible right now. Hugo's fired up right now. You know, and I got to tell Rosemary yesterday is that, is that God has blessed your perseverance. God has blessed you not giving up. Amen. And like this passage here, these men did not give up on his friends. Their friend was paralyzed. And they, they could have said, hey, man, we're going to go see this guy, Jesus. We'll, we'll give you the message. You can hear it on audio. And, no, but they brought him. They brought him to Jesus. And that's what friends do. You know, I appreciate Manny so much. We, we had to bring him to Jesus. He was, he, was, he was a Christian, but he was a paralyzed Christian. And so we sat down with him, and, and Juan, and the guys, and Steve Burns, and Dean, and we just ride around Manny, and we, and we brought him back to Jesus. And he found forgiveness. Now I heard he wants to help 30 people become Christians before he goes to heaven. I was like, Manny would have never said that years ago. Manny's like, hey, we're going to study the Bible in the garage. And, 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 and Javidi goes, we have a study here. Well, we're going to be in the garage studying the Bible. You guys can be in there. I mean, there's just a whole new spirit about Manny. Because his friends brought him to Jesus. You know, but the critics will come. The Pharisees come. And they want what you have. They want to change, but they are too prideful to ask. So they criticize. They want what you have, but... They're embarrassed. To, how did you get there? You can't touch this without Jesus. You can't touch the power to forgive without Jesus. Think about the moment when you feel forgiven by a friend, by your spouse, by your children. The most powerful moment I have is when I apologize to my son or daughter when I've sinned. And to hear them say, I say, I'm sorry. Look down in their eyes. I'm sorry that I that I shouted at you or that I was annoyed at you and to hear them say it's okay daddy I forgive you is a powerful moment what it does it strengthens our relationship you should be hearing a lot of that in your relationship to make it strong it's the glue a lot of I'm sorry's why because it reassures that you're in this you're committed to this relationship if there's very few I'm sorry's we start to get hard-hearted. We start caring less about the relationship. You ever notice that? We care less about it. Oh, I don't need to hear it. It's okay. But really, you want to hear, I'm sorry. And we want to go, yes. And we want that, that movie moment. We all want it. That's, that's why we go to movies. That's why we cry. Because we want that moment. And we only have it for 10 seconds and watching someone else. And they win Oscar Academy Awards for that. We want it. Number two, they couldn't touch his humility. Look in John chapter two with me. The humility. You can't touch it without Jesus. You can't be humble without Jesus. And look at the story about the family dynamic here. It's a wedding. His mother's there. His brother's there. Verse, uh, verse one. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. That's Jesus' area where he grew up. And Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, Mijo, they have no more wine. <laughs> Verse 4. Dear woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. What he's saying is that 
his ministry of miracles, it wasn't the, his timing was, was, was a little bit later, not now. But his mother's asking for his help now. He's like, Mom, my time has not yet come. It's later. Verse 6. I'm sorry, verse 5. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. She almost ignores what Jesus said. My time is, do whatever he says. I almost think she's Latin here. There's a Latin connection here. Do whatever he says. In nearby six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jewish people for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the, to the brim. He told them, now draw out some water out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He didn't realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. Nice trick. But you have served or saved the best until now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put his faith in him. It wasn't his time to start his ministry, but his mother had a request. The request was to save the honor of the bridegroom. Because it would have been an embarrassment to run out of wine at a party. And his mother was concerned that he might be embarrassed. Jesus. They have no much wine to drink. It's not my time. But he submits himself to his mother. He shows humility. He changes the divine plan. His schedule was here, and he moved it up a little bit. Humility. He could have shown, chose the righteous, self-righteous route. I can't do it. Time, no, letter of the law. Letter, what letter of the law, mother? He could have been righteous and done that. But he chose to be humble. He chose humility. How humble are you? Without humility, you can't touch it. You can't touch humility without Jesus. Here's some signs of pride. And usually you're the last one to realize you're prideful. Okay? You're the last one to realize this. Okay? You only realize your pride when someone else says something about you, and then if you're humble, you accept it, or if you're private, you, you, you write it off. Like, ah, that can't be true. She's, no. Okay. Insecurity. You don't want to look bad. That's a form of pride. So you, you say things in a certain way to, to cover up who you really are because you're insecure. Uh, you, don't, you don't seek help. You don't ask for help. You're too self-sufficient. So it's pride. You don't want anybody to help. You want anyone to know. You want anyone to know your problems. You don't want help. You know, I appreciate Mike Tauber's lesson at the, uh, at the family youth conference. He said for your, for your family, train, train, train. Um, love, love, love. And help, help, help. Get a lot of it. Train, love, and get help. Another sign of pride is lack of vulnerability. There's a lack of you being vulnerable. Because again, you're afraid of what others will think of your, who you are. And that's a very tricky slope. Vulnerability. You want to be vulnerable, and you need to be humble. 
Another sign is hypocrisy, or you're, you have a double standard. I can do it, but you can't do it. And I don't know about you, but my kids always spot pointed out to me. They, they, they seem to point it out. Like, Daddy, why do you say, you know, you say things, but you don't do them? Oh, is that really? Yeah, you said this, and you didn't. Daddy, you're wearing shoes upstairs, and you said the rule is no shoes upstairs. I'm like, you know, the fact is I was just being lazy. But for them, I'm a stickler. Hey, hey, shoes off. When it comes to me, she's on. And the kids, they're all over that. They're going, Dad, what's going on? Dad, what's happening here? Pride, another sign of pride is you're unwilling to listen. And listen to when someone brings something to your attention. You know, one of the things I like to do is I like to listen with, with, uh, with my defensive posture already being created. I just went, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm just nodding. But really, I'm calculating my response to these words that lack wisdom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All the time, pride. Instead of listening and then trying to repeat what the person said to really understand it, I'm, I want to calculate my defense. Sign of pride. And there's many more signs of pride. I want you to Google it, okay? Because there's a lot of them, okay? <laughs> Look in your Bibles in Philippians chapter 2. Come on, bro. Philippians 2. This is the essence of Jesus. He, was, he had the power to forgive. You can have that power. He had the power of being humble. You can be humble. If the Lord can be humble, believe me, you can be humble. Verse 2, or verse 3. Philippians, this is Paul writing about the Lord. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others Better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know, what I like about this passage is that Jesus made himself nothing. An effort to be made to be humble. You can make yourself nothing. Look at this example here for a second. A king taking the nature of a servant. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine President Barack Obama serving the, the waiters at his, in the White House? Here he goes. Serve you guys. Can you imagine that? Just picture that in your mind. A king taking the nature of a servant. They wouldn't know what to do. Like, I, I don't know what to do. I, I, I'm, I'm usually served. I grew up with my father being a king of the house. So what did I inherit? Kingship attitude. I didn't, I didn't, and my mother was the servant, so I, I figured that's for women. That's what I saw. She cleaned, she washed my clothes, she made my bed, she cooked dinner. So I was 25. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's, it's the Latin community, I tell you. There's a lot going on in there, guys. And, you know, I, I had to get saved. And so I grew up with the attitude that the men are king. 
because all I saw, I didn't see humility. I didn't see my dad be humble. My dad sat there at the dinner table, and there came the water, the beer, the fork, the spoon, and the meal. He ate, he sat there, it was cleaned up, and then he went and watched TV. That's what I saw for a lot of years. And so I thought this was, and my parents didn't divorce, so I thought, this is good. This is good. They're still married. And as I got older and got married, yeah, they're married and miserable. Because that's not a real relationship. It can't sustain itself. And I realize as I'm older, I give my parents marriage counseling, which is a little bit weird. But you're trying to help your dad be humble, and my dad can't even grasp the concept of being humble. Can't grasp it. And if it wasn't for Jesus, if it wasn't for the power of him being humble, I would have never known how to be humble. I had no motivation to be humble. Here is the motivation, guys, to be humble. Women, here's the motivation to be humble. It's Jesus. There's a strength to being humble. Because you have to be strong to be humble. The weak are prideful. The weak don't rely on God. The weak don't pray. The weak rely on their flesh. And their heart turns away from God. Jeremiah 17. It's, it takes strength to swallow your pride. It takes strength to listen when your feelings are hurt. It takes so much to go, my feelings are hurt, and I want to say something really bad right now. And you can be humble and listen first. And whenever I take that posture, it's powerful. Whenever I choose the weak route, and I want to retaliate, it gets really messy. And it gets ugly, and people get hurt. Because the best gift I can give my kids... And the best gift you can give your kids is a healthy, spiritual, godly marriage. You cannot make your kids happy by focusing on your kids. And that's a conundrum. Because we think it feels good, that's because they're not mad at you, and you're not mad at them. But the power is your marriage. That's the power when kids say, ah, and they inherit it. Your kids will even inherit the spirit, I'm a servant, or I'm a king. And there's a lot of king in me. But there's a lot of, also a lot of servant in me too. And they fight each other. For the top spot. Iron chef right there. Top spot. Top spot. And it's a war that I've lost. But it's also a war that I've won. And it's a battle. It's a battle to stay humble. Jesus was so humble, he died being humble. So when you have the attitude, I'm going to be humble once. No, no, you have to be humble until you're dead. He died humble. It wasn't like a momentary, I was humble this week. No, no, it was humble your whole life. That's the strength of humility. Reminds me of Luke 9, 23, huh? Deny yourself if you want to follow Jesus. And lastly, they couldn't touch his love. Look in Mark chapter 2. You can't touch Jesus. You can't touch his power. You can't touch his humility. And you couldn't touch his love. See, we cannot love without Jesus. We can't really love people 
without knowing the Lord. Verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. You know, I always, always look at how the Pharisees sometimes never went to Jesus, and they went to his disciples. Because I always sense they're just trying to cause a little bit of dissension. Hey, why is, he, why is your master like that? Because to, to, when, you, when you're not walking with God, you're going, why is that? It's true. See, when someone becomes to you and has a critical spirit, and you're not walking with the Lord, you're going like, ah, I noticed that too. Yeah. Versus, bro, have you talked to that brother? No. You should go talk to him before you come talk to me. That's someone who's walking with the Lord. Otherwise, you kind of spread gangrene. You know what I mean? And our temptation is to go, yes, tell me more about that, brother. Tell me more. Because the Bible says, you know, gossip is like choice morsels. <laughs> Yummy. It's like candy. Because our nature wants to hear it. Yeah. Well, we're, we're saturated with it on TV, right? All talk shows, you know, the news, TMZ. What's going on? Yeah. Who said what? Nicolas Cage got arrested? I mean, well, we don't, we don't know everything. That's the society we live in. It's a billion-dollar business just to get a picture of a movie star. We don't know what's going on in their life. It's sad. Yeah. One of the most vile jobs, one of the most vile jobs in Palestine at this time was being a tax collector. Vile. Now, most of us, we paid our taxes a few days ago, or, or Monday, you're going to be paying your taxes. You don't feel so vile. You know, I got to get to my duty. I got to pay. And in Palestine, you hated doing this. Because the guy that was doing it, you know, was cheating you. Was getting more money from you than what you had to pay, but the law was on his side. And so you got, you got a little bit hatred toward him. They were known cheaters. They were collaborators with the Roman Empire. And the tax collector's life was a very lonely life. And Jesus invites Matthew to leave his old life behind and follow him. Not just follow, but to be one of the apostles. It's one thing to have a guy, hey, I want to sit in the Bible with you, join my church. But I'm not going to put you in leadership. That's crazy. <laughs> you see a guy, you kind of like him, he's a little out there. You know, Jesus quickly pulls him into the, to the inner core leadership, which just amazes me all the time. Then he gets a terrorist, Simon the Zealot, who's blowing up Roman buildings. Let's just pull you in leadership. Now I want you two to get along. You blow up buildings and you hate tax collectors. Let's have a D group. Someone you vile and you hate. Jesus says, you know what? You're going to learn how to love this guy. And you're going to love him and you're going to love him. Because I'm going to show you love. 
I'm going to lay down my life for you, and that's how you love each other. You can't touch this, can you? You can't be loving without God. You can't be loving without Jesus. Sometimes we think that we're past the point where God can reach us. That's not true. Sometimes we think, man, I'm, I'm past the point. I can't be rescued. And the Pharisees, they always thought, look for opportunities. Why, why, why? Why, why, why? Why is sitting? Why, why is he over here? Why is he doing this? Why, why is he sitting with sinners? You know, eating a meal with someone is an expression of trust and fellowship. Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples over to their house. When was the last time you had someone over for a meal? Fellowship? Some time in the word? Time of encouragement? When was the last time? How is your hospitality? If not, don't get down on yourself. Be humble. Say, so, you know, I'm going to put that on my calendar. I'm going to pick a night of the week where my wife and I or my singles household, we can have someone over and we can honor someone. We can encourage someone. The Bible says in Romans 12 to practice hospitality. Practice it. Be humble. I know there's a little bit of chaos when you have someone come over because, you know, your wife gets like, the house is dirty, and then you go into super mode. and you gotta, Yeah, that's part of the process. You got to clean the house. The wife says, it's not clean. Enough. It's fine. It's not clean. It's fine. I'm a guy. Of course it's fine. Socks on the floor is fine. Underwear hanging on the roof. It's fine. <laughs> but not for my wife. It's not fine for her. Some people come over, they go, yes, it's nice. Thank you. It's really my wife's conviction, not mine. Brothers, learn the art of hospitality. Sisters, teach the art of hospitality. We need to be taught to be hospitable. We are cavemen by nature. We bring home food and put it in the fridge and that's it. We need to be taught how to go farther. But guys, let us be humble. Jesus was complete in every way. And we're broken in every way. He knows this. And today, he can sense our paralysis. He can sense our pride. He can sense our unworthiness. Yet he wants to gather us all together. The Bible says, he says, I long to gather you as, as a chick gathers her hens. You ever see that? Gathering them under her wings. Even despite the fact that you feel unworthy, you're broken, you're far from God, you're not close to God, he wants to gather you up. So much it says this in the Bible. I'll have to read it to you. But it's not up there. In Psalms 106, Save us, Lord our God, and gather us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. I want to invite you to study the Bible with us. I want to invite those who have already been studying to keep going. But I also want to invite those who are visiting for the very first time, or the second time, or your third to study the Bible and watch the power in your life change. Watch the humility grow and watch your life change forever.
study the Bible with us, know more about God, and learn to be his disciples. And to God be the glory. Have a great afternoon.